Welcome to the Real Estate Fight Club, a podcast for agents where you'll witness a battle of opinions about topics affecting your real estate business. There are many ways for agents to achieve success. The secret is to find which approach will work for you. Now, always in your corner, here are your hosts, Jen Mertland and Monica Weekly. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Fight Club. What's up, Jennifer Mertland? Hey, Monica. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. You got anything going on? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm getting my hair. My hair is dead today. Oh, hey. Hey. Isn't that always a good feeling? Like, there's something... I don't know. It's like when you get your car washed and you drive yeah. out of the car wash and you feel like your car runs better from the car wash. <laughs> you ever feel that way? Yes. I kind of feel that way when I get my hair cut. Like I just run better. I don't You're going to do anything different. You should get a pixie cut. Oh my gosh. You know, if I weighed about 40 pounds less than I do now, I could maybe pull off a pixie cut, but I'm not sure I could do that. <laughs> That's just my personal belief about myself. That's not a blanket statement about it. We'll do another podcast about that later. Yeah, let's do that anyway. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Real Estate Fight Club. We're happy you're here as always. And today, Jen and I are going to duke it out over this question. Should a seller be able to accept an offer and continue to market it, keep it active? Yeah, I think we need to have like a little caveat. We know the rule. Well, Another caveat. Monica knows the rule. I half know the rule. <laughs> I think there, well, and it may be different. We must acknowledge this. It may be different state to state. Right. Board, and we know the custom in the United States is Correct. that it goes into a pending status once an offer is accepted. But the question is, is should they? Should we do this? Yes. And the theory being, you can't market it to the public when it is technically not for sale because it is not for sale. You're under contract with this other buyer and you can't get out of the contract. You know what I heard, Monica? What? (laughs) What I heard was in Canada that it doesn't go into a pending status until all contingencies are released. Brilliant. There's so many things that the Canadians do well. It's just unbelievable. There's a, yeah. I'll, yeah. 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 We <laughs> this they do well. Listeners, we love our Canadian <laughs> listeners. Hey. I like that. Now, I will say, so we can discuss what, you know, the advantages of not being able to, or being able to change that role. I will say that at one point in my career, I think it was maybe 10 years ago, I had a listing and we were having trouble coming to terms. There were some things that needed to happen. This buyer's agent was very knowledgeable, involved with the board, the whole nine yards, very trusted, like wasn't just a fly-by-night kind of agent. And she said that if the buyer and seller want to agree to this, they can agree to this, that they don't have to abide by the terms of the MLS. Now, I at the time was... I had never heard of that and was wanting to get these people locked in and, right. and still wanted to be able to market it. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. So we put together an addendum that allowed us to do that. I mean, it was, but then they would be backup offers. I, I actually can't remember the, all the, the details, but it wasn't uh, you know, a without notice or a with notice addendum. So, you know, there were some workarounds 
yeah. happened there. And it ended up selling successfully. It was fine. But yeah, I was confused by that, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, here's the, the, here's the real, the problem, the like nitty gritty of the problem. So like in our, in our state, well, both of us work in two states in both of the states that we work in, once it goes into a pending status, and we've done a podcast on this before, should you show for backup? And I think I would argue that many people don't show for backup, but I also think that there are different levels of accepted offer. And I know you can, there are different MLS checks and especially in different states that says like pending contingency pending or something like that. But I think that most agents will not show it if there's any type of pending, no matter where it is in the pending process. Mm -hmm. So I think like, it's not so much that keeping it active or not active. It's more about, does it make sense to continue to show the property? And I think that does depend on the client, but like, there's gotta be a way that it makes sense because the the problem is, is when they won't show it, which if it closes is not a problem, but if it doesn't close, now you have this like stigma on the listing. If it comes back, Mm-hmm. And people think something's wrong and that's not fair for the sellers. It's bullshit. Mm, oh yeah. Okay. Rental advisory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. It actually is a smart tactic. I think to talk to your sellers about accepting backup offers and staying open for showings past the uh, pending contract, because you can avoid that on again, off again, the market stigma. Like you said, I, I just, I, I just don't know you know, that all sellers understand that. Well, and all agents don't understand it either. I mean, I've done this a couple of different ways. So like in today's market where it's like crazy and we've, um, we've talked about this before, I think where we'll, okay. If I have the buyer, then we'll call the inspector ahead of time. And let's say I know when the the seller is going to review offers. Let's say they're, we're putting in the offer on Friday, they're reviewing Mm -hmm. offers on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I'll call and ask the inspector, Hey, do you have a slot open at 9 a.m.? in the morning, or can you, you know, do your inspection sooner? And you can go about it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they have an inspection in the morning, then you can call the agent and be like, look, as long as the buyers agree, right. You could be like, look, you can keep it active and we're going to do our inspection. But the problem is to your point from before, it's like, if they get a better offer, are they then allowed to take it? Or are you technically under contract? And I would argue you're under contract. It would be a backup offer. Yeah, because it it is not fair for a buyer who f- comes to term with a seller who's about to spend four, five, six, seven hundred dollars uh, doing their due diligence on the property to then have that you know swept away from. Well, them yeah, but it's notice. also not fair for the seller if they tie up a property for two weeks for this buyer to do all these crazy inspections, and then for them to like then say, well, we don't want it just because they never have to give a legitimate reason. They just say we don't want it. it I mean, they, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't allow it to go on for two weeks in this market for sure. This is like seven okay, so days a week. Y- yes. I think what we're talking about here probably is, is it, is it the, you know, rescission or or the the first right of refusal Mm -hmm. with notice, the first right of refusal without notice is really kind of utilizing those two, right? Right. Yeah, no, that's great. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And using those things, which I know I haven't seen used in a long time, Mm -hmm. but what seller in this market is going to use the, first right of refusal with notice. 
meaning they'd have to wait 24 hours or 48 hours. Or whatever the buyers agreed to, right? It may only be two hours. Right. That's right. So let's just um, take one second and dive a little bit more into what we're talking about, just in case people aren't, agents aren't familiar with this. So basically I could write an offer on Jen's property and maybe my clients have a house to sell. Mm -hmm. And so it's contingent which is obviously no bueno in this market, but right. let's just say we're in a market. For those that's... of you that don't speak Spanish, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, that's no good. So I might put a first right of refusal on, addendum on this that says, hey, you can take, you can continue to market the property mm-hmm. and take an offer without notice to me. Right. Well, I'm not into that as the buyer. No, and no. the other side of that is, with notice 24 hours and you're not into that because technically it has to be yeah but you could do way. you could do a shorter time period you could say with notice of two hours and then let's say or five hours and let's say they agree to something let's say they agree to 12 hours mm-hmm. so then if we as this if the seller gets another offer that they want they would put you your buyers on notice and say hey buyer we have another offer we want to accept are you releasing your contingencies or should we move forward with this? Then Mm -hmm. you have the option. You have 12 hours to decide. Yeah. You know what? You bring up, you bring up an interesting question. If I wrote an offer to you and I said, first right of refusal with notice three hours. Yeah. And in your listing, you said must give seller six hours to review offer. Right. Could you continue to market it? Because in theory, that timing would work in the house. I mean, if you're asking me about the MLS rules, I don't know. <laughs> if you're asking me what makes sense, then yeah. yes. Do I think the MLS would be upset about it if somebody tattled on you? Yes. Do I Probably think it should be a tattletale? Yes. No. Right. I hope somebody's listening that has some real insight into the rules, at least in the Cincinnati MLS for all of that. Nah. Are they board rules or MLS rules? They're probably board rules, I think. I don't know. But yeah, I think think if you were going to do that in the original one, it would have to have the language of not only the first right of refusal, but that also was allowed, like the buyer and seller agree to keep that the property can remain active Active. with the first right of refusal with a three-hour notice or whatever. Yeah. So I think you're okay with that. But I think, yeah, I mean. You know what this is like? This is like new construction where you get a lot hold. Yeah. You're still marketing the property. Yes. But someone's sort of like holding the house. That should, that's right. Let's do that's, that. That is what this is. And it's allowed in new construction. Why isn't it allowed in? I know. Boom. Problem solved. Oh. <laughs> you heard it here first on Real Estate Fight Club. This like is it. it. That's the thing. It's, yeah. you can put it's a, a hold. hold on this house. It's not under contract. It's a hold for you to do your due diligence at your risk, which is what a new construction client. So then anybody can come in. Can anybody come in and say, I don't have any due diligence that I want to do. And here's my hold money and I'm ready. And And then they they go past the hold stage. I think we just figured it out. In new construction, they don't just let anybody come in. They literally hold it. They do. They do. For a period of time. They do honor that. However, they but the point is they can still market it. Yeah. And that's what we're getting at here so that you could. But it's not only just about marketing, it's about being able to take another offer too. Because if you have a buyer that's coming in during the hold or during the due diligence period, even if it's active, or when 
if their offer is better, when can they be the primary offer? Is it in an hour, in a day, in five days, seven days, whatever. Yeah. Because that's the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other problem is, is, is what if there's nobody that does that and the original offer, the original buyer backs out and it's, then you don't have to go from pending to active. It's just like, it's been on, which is better. Yeah. So I I think think serves the seller. Huh? Serves the seller better for sure. It does serve the seller better. And Mm -hmm. it creates a little bit more urgency for the buyer because sometimes they just want to back out in many, many contracts in many, many states just allow for that to happen at certain periods in their contract. And then they get their earnest money back. So it's never hurting the buyer to put an offer in. It only Mm -hmm. hurts the seller. Mm -hmm. And that's crap. Mm -hmm. That is crap. Fired up. So let me make sure. I think we brainstormed quite a bit here, but (laughs) let me, where do you actually come down on? I'm on the the seller side always. Yeah. I think they they should be able to market it. I think there needs to be different levels of contingencies or holds or whatever we call it. Mm -hmm. I think contingencies need to be released sooner. I don't like the, I don't like how there's a a stigma attached to properties that come back on the market. So I'd rather not have to put it like back Mm -hmm. things like that. Well, it's no, it's no surprise that the contracts mostly favor the buyers. I mean, they protect the buyers through the loan contingency, like the whole thing. There could be, there could be like, well, but to your point, you don't want the buyers to have to pay a bunch of money if it's right. not. That's the problem. And so I'm going to, I fall a little differently than you. I do feel like, look, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for an investment. We're not talking about, you know, a freaking picture frame here. We're talking about, it's the only thing I could think of for some reason that was cheap. <laughs> we're talking about a pretty serious purchase and we're talking about hundreds of dollars in due diligence. Yeah. And there has to be a leap of faith by both sides to make it work. And that's the way it's always worked. And it is working. It's like in North Carolina and in Florida, they do two levels of earnest money. Mm -hmm. Oh, like an initial. And then once you're past a certain point. Yeah. And a part of it is non-refundable. So maybe it's that, but I also feel like it should be flipped. So in their States, the first, the first one is non-refundable. But I vote it actually, that one should be the non-refundable one. Yes. No matter what, you're going to offer the sellers this just for considering your offer. Correct. If you want to tie up this property, there's a fee for that. That's right. It needs to be a fee that makes sense to the seller to tie up the property, right? So maybe it's a mortgage payment, something like that. Yeah. Interesting. What do you think about that? I like it. I like it. Do it. All right. All right. Ready to go back to your corner? Yeah, I think we've solved the world's problems, so we've been as well rest. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break, hear a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll have the final punches. Do you have an entrepreneur mindset? Do you believe in the power of building wealth versus just selling houses? There's a new kind of business model for realtors, and you owe it to yourself to see why top agents and teams are aligning their future with the fastest growing real estate company in the world. EXP Realty, tomorrow's brokerage today. For more information or a private discussion, go to the Real Estate Fight Club Facebook page and send a private message telling us you'd like to learn more about EXP Realty. 
Welcome back. Now let's get back to the battle, back inside the ring. Oh, Jen, did yeah. you ask anybody about this? Do you have other I did. They all gave me like the rules, which I didn't read. So <laughs> which you didn't have never read anyway. So you know, you if you don't get in trouble at least a couple of times a day, are you really working hard? Nope. It's sort of like how we got our hands slapped by the National Association of Realtors for the name no. of our podcast. We like this. We like this. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So what do you say? Give me your summary on uh, should a seller be able to accept an offer and keep it active? Yes. And I say no. However, I think we can make some changes to make this a lot more fair for a seller and enable them to um, set themselves up for win in, in case of a failure, failed contract. And keep the buyers from backing out haphazardly or making offers yeah. haphazardly. That, Especially in this market. How, how awesome, how different would it be in these multiple offer situations if you actually had to put some money down that you were going to lose yeah. to get into the game, it's like, right. it's your auntie. You've got to put right. in a certain amount to even get into the game. Right. It's a I freaking agree. poker game. I right. Agree. Yeah. I think it's that, that can be difficult in certain price points, but like true those price points, it would be less, you know, yeah. what I mean? just like it is now. Yeah. Do you think it would reduce the number of offers being? Yeah. Yeah. Because so many people back out. And they have that mindset. Well, let's just write this and we'll see. And if we're not happy, we'll back out. Like we're just, they're trying to win instead of thinking about, should we live here? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. All right. I think that's going to have to be the end of today's battle. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and share it with somebody. And uh, we love you subscribing and liking and all of the things. Write us a review, a nice one, a nice five-star review, wherever you listen to podcasts. That would be awesome. (laughs) And of course, if you have questions about the benefits of EXP, certainly text or call 513-400-1691. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Jen. See you next time. All right. I am here with our tiebreaker, Eric Barth. Hey, Eric, how are you? I am fantastic. That's good. So Eric is with Keller Williams in um, Northern Kentucky. And Eric, you know how this works. You're an avid listener, right? I, what was that again? No, yeah, <laughs> yes, I am. A, I'm a, yes, I'm an avid listener. Yes. And a jokester. All right. So here's your tiebreaker. Should the seller be able to accept an offer and still keep the house in an active status? What do you say? I, I'm going to say, yes, you can, but it, it needs to be, in my opinion, in writing as okay. count, countered back. Okay. And I think that the seller, uh, needs to know um, what all of the options are. And that one could possibly be something that's in their best interest. And my thought process, instead of having a track meet running through the house with like some of these properties, maybe say that uh, in writing, we're going to keep this house on the market until we're beyond that uh, whole house inspection contingency. And we're just going to show the property. Let's just say I'm throwing out a, a time frame here as an example between noon and three, for the next 10 days is our I like that. so you're saying yeah. yes with permission but mm-hmm. then like potentially shortening up the time frame so what do you think though about okay so you that happens you're the buyer's agent you don't know that it's active all you do is see that i can only see it from 12 until three 
Well, if, if I'm the buyer's agent, I'm going to call that listing agent and go, Hey, what's going on with this? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's going on? Um, uh, you, you, but there'd be reasons why folks would only have properties open between on, on a certain time frame, And that, I mean, it, yeah, but would you still show it? So you make the call. I agree. I think the shortened time period usually solicits a call, right? So you make the call and the listing agent tells you, hey, look, we accepted a contract, but they're agreeing to keep it active until they're through their due diligence. Do you still show it? I, I'm going to articulate this to my buyer. My preference would be not to go take go out there and show this thing because right. it could be a waste of time for everyone. But um, if it's something, though, that my buyer, you know, if we come back and communicate, look, if we go out and check out the house, we're going to waive an inspection. So if something goes sideways on, on a home inspection, for whatever reason, it could be anything. And that, you know, seller decides that, uh, hey, we're, we're going to say no to everything that this current person has. Because you know how it goes now. A lot of times people are being pressured into uh, or they feel pressured and they're paying a premium for a house and they're almost renegotiating on these home inspections. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I would communicate that with them and just let them know exactly what's going on uh, yeah. with that. But I, I would, and it, it, but then again, I, I say that with a caveat that it depends on what buyer it is. You know, if I have somebody that they're going to be buying at the very top end of what they can afford they're not, I'm not going to recommend that they make a lot of concessions for, I'm seeing, you know, crazy stuff now with people uh, uh, waiving appraisal contingencies on properties or even capping off things with appraisals, waiving home inspections. I'm, that's not a, those are options, but there's, they're not going to be something I recommend to certain people. Yeah, um, for sure. And I mean, I think you throw out everything of what possibilities can be, but, uh, but, you know, uh, I just wrote a, a, a um, a backup offer on a property about two weeks ago. And mm -hmm. it, you know, my folks have since gone on written and got something else accepted and we're beyond that. But, but it was a backup offer. So it is something that I did, but it, you know, we had been through the home already and we okay. just lost out on multiple offers. Yeah. My people, you know, I guess the reason for this question was more like, Okay, so the rule is that once you go on a contract, you go independent, but there's like so many ways that the buyer can get out of the contract. Is that really fair for the seller? And if they do keep it active, if everybody agrees, is anybody even going to show it? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, but like I said, I'd be very wary myself to go show it. Uh -huh. uh, and it would, like I said, it just depends on what folks, but I think that might be something to leave open. You know, I just had something go live today. It's going to be crazy going into that house, just where it is. It's located. And I don't, maybe that's something we leave open to my sellers. It'd be something I just recommend or not recommend, but throw out on the table to see what they yeah. think is another well, they're option. They're going to keep it active, but then what happens? Okay. Let's say they keep it active. And a higher offer comes in and they're going yeah. to take it. Well, they will want to take it, I'm sure. But that being said, that isn't always the case. Because I, I just literally, I had one where this was within the last couple of weeks and we had, uh, you know, like 40 something showings. And, but we had said, we're, you know, say we listed on a Thursday, we're going to look at offers on Sunday at noon. Mm -hmm. And then we can accept an offer at any given time. Right. Well, my lady decided on Friday night 
after people have been running through her house all you know Thursday evening and all day Friday that she would just like to wrap this thing up because we yeah. had several offers, you know, and she didn't want anybody else come through the house. And yeah, so literally she wanted to be, yeah. offers. There's yeah. diminishing returns after a yeah. certain number of offers. And that was because me and Monica thought about that in a different podcast of like, should you leave it open for, this was before all this craziness was going on, but should you leave it open for a couple of days or should you take off, like look at offers as they come in? And yeah, yeah I agree. At, at seven offers, I mean, they're basically, and most of them are about the same. Pretty much the same. Yeah. But that, that house I just used as an example, there was literally, and the price point wasn't, it was just in the mid twos, but the, the difference between one offer to the next, which absolutely shocked me, had somebody trying to low bid on something that was having multiple offers, which was just absolutely it was like 20 grand less than the list price. And, why? Right. I, I'm like, why would you even waste your time of writing this thing? You know? Uh, No, they didn't have anything special to offer. No, I think he was just trying to throw, throw, throw it into the wind there and see if something stuck. (laughs) I think, and and also when he wrote, he, he called, this guy called me, he says, Hey, I've been working with these guys for a long time. And I'm thinking, well, now I see why. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like, I think it's, the question came up because it's just, it's something that I'd like to think about, like as a, as a group, you know, and really come up with what is, what's a, a more equitable solution? Because now when we put it pending, if it comes back on, it has a stigma and you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, because my phone, my phone will blow up because it's happened. I mean, more frequently than not, than years past, obviously with listings. And then literally my entire day, the next day is just blowing up with like, Hey, what was wrong with that place? Or my, you know, exactly. my, phone, my email, everything. Right. What was wrong everything. with that place? And, and so uh, nothing. nothing's wrong. It, nothing's wrong with that. I, I, I tell people, I said, you know what? And, and this is my, my common response. I said, uh-huh. opportunities don't go away. They just go to the next guy. And so yeah. it depends on how you're going to metabolize what was in an inspection or what, you know, who knows, maybe they saw something else pop up on the market. They like better. It, right. There's a whole slew of things. Why a million things. Do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, you bring up some good points and I really appreciate you being on Eric. If um, people have a referral in Northern Kentucky for you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can reach me on my cell phone or via email. I also have a website. My website is ericjbarth.com. My email is eric at ericjbarth.com. And uh, you can reach me at 859-912-2104. So yeah, love to be able to help anybody out here in Northern Kentucky. Well, we have to know, what's the J stand for? Joseph. Oh, I thought it was going to be like, you know, something more exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, nothing nothing too exciting. I just, yeah, I've always used that for whatever reason when I was in high school. It's been a long time ago would always identify myself as Eric J. Barth. I don't know why, so that's how I... Well, I think, like, I mean, you're, you know, Kentucky's the South, and that's how Southerners do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mary Lynn, Eric J. Like, that's, that's right. how it is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being on. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you guys getting great information out of your podcast, so keep it up. I'm glad you like it. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Fight Club podcast. 
Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get updates when new episodes are available. And we truly love feedback and would appreciate all likes, reviews, and suggestions for future topics.